Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. It's WrestleMania week. You got to say tag team partner. That is. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, Matt, the final four is upon us. And just like you and I said two weeks ago, it's going to be South Carolina. <laughs> it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be South Carolina and Gonzaga, which I think everyone saw South Carolina coming. Oh, yeah. And then it's going to be Oregon as the savior of the Pac-12, the first uh, team back in the Final Four in a long, long time, taking on UNC. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we each got one of the Final Four, if I uh, remember correctly. I had Gonzaga, I think, believe you had Carolina, right? I do. My champion lives. So, so you know that's uh, that's something. There are people who have none, um, but yeah, you know it was a it's a tough year to you know if you have all four, uh, I'd I'd like to meet you and see if I really believe you because uh, uh, you know yeah I, I believe you pick Carolina or Gonzaga maybe even Oregon, but if you had South Carolina, I'm pretty surprised by that. Did you go to South Carolina? That... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like that's uh, got to be the connection is they were, you know, um, just such a kind of a random team, really. I mean, you know, not not much in the way of, of name recognition. Um, hadn't won a single tournament game since 1973, which is startling, really, when you think about, you know, a, a major conference team to go that long. I mean, you know, feels like it's been a long time for us. We did in 2009, you know, that's, that's a uh, chump change compared to 44 years. So, um, you know, pretty, pretty wild, uh, and, and really a, a fun story that they're here. Well, a point you made via text that I think is worth raising here is that as an ASU fan, I'm thrilled to see South Carolina do this because why not us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that is the thing that crossed my mind. And obviously, you know, depending on who your school is, you, you, might not think that way, um, but I think if you're a fan of a of a major conference school that you know doesn't have a lot of basketball history, hasn't had a lot of basketball success, you know you you can't help but look at this and say, man, it, you know it's doable. You get the right coach and you get the right players, and most of all, you get hot at the right time, and and things can come together. And you know, you and I just talked. Um, Less than a week ago, or a little more than a week ago now, uh, and I and I told you, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, I'm ready to just give up hope and admit that all the naysayers who say ASU can never do it are right. But and you see something like this, and I think, no, I'm not. I'm not giving up that hope. You know, if South Carolina could do it, then anybody can. Yeah, I mean, look, they got a fiery coach. They got a good mix of talent, and they're aggressive on defense. And yeah, ASU yeah. has some I mean, of those you know, things. They do, they do. I mean, you know, and it's, uh, you know, again, uh, is is it easy? No. I mean, I'm certainly not suggesting that it, you know, is something that, oh, well, it should be easy. It's easy for South Carolina. No, it wasn't. Um, I mean, they, they went through a lot of lean years, obviously. You go 44 years without winning a tournament game. Um, you know, you've been you've been through the desert um, for a long time. And, and so, um, you know, but it's just one of those things I think you have to look at and say, you know, you, you just can't you can't give in to that that perception that does exist here um, that, you know, well, ASU basketball will never be better than mediocre. They can be, you know, they're not going to become North Carolina or Kentucky, but you don't have to be. You know, you don't have to be North Carolina or Kentucky or Kansas to make a final four. We're seeing that this year. I mean, look at the 
look at the makeup of this Final Four. You got a West Coast Conference team, you have a, a Pac-12 team that's known mostly for football, and you got an SEC team that really isn't known for either one. Um, you know, but certainly not known for basketball. And you got North Carolina. You got a blue blood, but you know, you, you don't have to be one of those to make it here. Yeah. I mean, I think that is one of the lessons. Before we go away from this game, do you think that South Carolina, you know, defense and guard play are critical to success yeah. in the postseason? Do they have enough to to make this Cinderella run all the way to the end? I mean, it's always hard to know with, with a situation like this because sometimes, you know, what one one that I remember is, is I think it was 06, uh, the George Mason team. And, 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 you know, they beat UConn, who was the number one seed in the tournament. And, and I think they beat Carolina earlier, and they had been the defending champ, although they didn't have the same team. But, you know, they, they'd been through it. And then they got to the Final Four, and they just got waxed. Um, and, and, you know, so sometimes it just happens where, you know, reality tends to set in over the course of six games. You figure you're going to probably run to one where you, you know, you kind of go back to who you were for 30 games. Um, but then again, you know, we've seen examples. Butler is one that, that also comes to mind in 2010, kind of came out of nowhere. We kept expecting, uh, reality will hit. And they were, you know, one shot away from winning the entire thing. So, it's it's hard to say, um, you know, and that's that's not a definitive answer. But I don't think I'd give you one. Would would I be surprised if they got beat by twenty five points on Saturday? No, I wouldn't. But the way they're playing, you know, I, I certainly am not going to rule them out. Do you think they'll beat Gonzaga? Who's your pick? I'd pick Gonzaga. Uh, I mean, I think I think you, you know, <clears throat> you always wonder how the the days off affect a team that's got a hot streak going. And obviously between the Elite and the Final Four, you've got the most days off of any stretch of the tournament. And you go back home and you get, you know, pats on the back and everyone tells you how great you are. And, and then you go play in this giant stadium with 70,000 fans and, and you just, you know, you haven't, you're kind of out of your head. Um, and Gonzaga, no, they haven't been here before, but they have a lot of, you know, They've been in big games, a lot of big games. They haven't been to the Final Four, but they've been down this road. Their coach has been here, you know, many times in, in Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Uh, they're just a little more battle-tested to me, so I'd, I'd go with them. Now, I, I'm with you, and I agree. I question – I'll ask this question here, and it applies to all the games, but there's been some talk about why is it that we play the championship in a football stadium where the sight lines are crazy – and it's, yeah. you know, I can't remember, I think it was Chuck Klosterman was saying that it's an ode to greed, basically, because yeah, oh, we can, cause we can yeah. sell it out, so we do it, <laughs> sure. not because it's good for sure. basketball. Do yeah, you, I mean, this started when we were kids, uh, you know, they made it where it had to be a dome stadium, and now, you know, domes have sort of gone out, but it's, you know, there's a minimum attendance, and, and no college basketball arena has that minimum attendance. Yeah. So what were you? Uh, I, I mean, do you think what, do you think that there will ever be a time where it will pivot back? Uh, Amber's along. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I could see it. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing that will cause it is if you start having you know seventy thousand seat stadiums where there's only you know thirty thousand in the stands. When that happens, yeah, they'll pivot back. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's coming anytime soon. 
you know, because this is such a big event and the tournament is, is such a big thing. But, you know, things like this are cyclical. And, you know, 20, 30 years from now, might things look different, especially with the sport of college basketball going through the changes it's gone through as far as, you know, the, the players don't stay. Um, you know, the, the sport isn't what it used to be when we were kids. And I know that makes us makes me sound like an old man, but but I think it's inarguable. You know, it's just not what it used to be. And so if the popularity declines, yeah, I think so. But as long as they can put 70,000 people in the stands and get that ticket money and that revenue and concessions and merchandise and all that stuff, it's not going to change. I think that it'll change when football changes, when there aren't these huge stadiums, indoor domes anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's possible. And, you know, I think you know, there's there's been some early discussion of, you know, how will things look with the Chargers playing in this smaller stadium? And, um, you know, will, will that almost be something that catches on? I don't know. Uh, it might. You know, it, it, it might. I mean, nobody can predict the future, obviously. Um, but, you know, yeah, do I do I love it um, as a fan? No, not really. You know, I, I don't think it's the – the best way to watch basketball, you know, basketball is meant to be a, a, you know, kind of a more intimate setting and certainly playing it in a, in a giant football stadium is not that. Well, tell me what your thoughts are on the other side of the bracket specifically. I don't know if anyone enjoyed that Kentucky UNC game as much as you did. Man, I mean, Kentucky played three games in a row. That me were the, were the you know most enjoyable of their respective rounds, um, and yeah, that that Carolina game was a classic. Um, just a just a really really fun game to watch. The swings of momentum in the second half, um, you know. And I, I texted you during the game, and I still think you know it's a shame both these teams couldn't make the final four. I really I think they were they were misseeded, not necessarily as one twos, but they shouldn't have been in the same region. And and had they gone one to eight. They wouldn't have been in the same region, um, but they they tweaked the seedings a bit uh, for regional uh, considerations, and so they ended up in the same spot. But great game. Um, Carolina was impressive to me because of the way they played defense. Uh, they really did a good job on those two Kentucky guards, and if they can do that again, you know, it's tough to see anybody beating them. Do you think that De'Aaron Fox is the most impressive player in the tournament? Because I do. Uh, uh, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and, and paying, I didn't pay tremendously close attention to Kentucky all year, but I, I watched him some in, you know, December, the game, you know, that they played against Carolina the first time. And then, you know, some early sec games and he looked so good. And then he got hurt and he missed some time. And he, I think he missed some time with being sick. He maybe missed a weekend and that, that coincided with their slump. And then when he got back healthy, they went on a run and they, you know, I think they won like 12 in a row or something before that game against Carolina. So, yeah, yeah, he was uh, very impressive. And, you know, I know I know NBA people will fall in love with size of Lonzo Ball and, and Markel Fultz and, and maybe with good reason. But, man, I wouldn't hesitate to take Fox. If I had to pick it in that, you know, five, six, seven range and I needed a point guard, I'd grab him up real fast. Well, let's talk about him in relation to ball we got to see that matchup and one of those guys mm-hmm. rose to the occasion and had his most dominant game of the year and the other one is yeah. the perceived number one or two overall pick whose dad's all over <laughs> the news sure sure so. yeah and 
And don't think that didn't play in uh, to De'Aaron Fox playing so well. Uh, you know, I'm sure he was extra fired up. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's just it's that's the nature of the beast when you're so hyped. Everybody brings their best. You know, it's it's what we always when a team wins a championship and it's like, well, next year you're gonna get everybody's best shot. Well, you know, Lonzo Ball through his dad's publicity machine has kind of moved into that status and. And yeah, I think he and Monk both came out with a with a chip on their shoulder. They've gone through the ranks with this kid. They've probably played all star games with him and stuff. And and you know, all of a sudden they're hearing about how great he is. And well, why aren't we getting that discussion? Yeah. Well, here's here's to me what's wrong with the one and done rule. And uh, in a nutshell, Lonzo Ball yeah. on his way off the court thanked the fans of UCLA <laughs> and said, "I'm out of here." Which yeah yeah yeah, which tells you that he, obviously he's not finishing out the semester. That was always a joke, no. anyway. But no, that means he had to take one semester's worth of classes, and yeah. and that's what we're forcing these kids to do because we want them to get the experience right. and mature. Like, what lesson did he learn? You know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it reminds mean, me um, of um of the idea of hockey with the draft and follow. Now, I mean, I've always been a big proponent of the right. baseball system where. You can come mm-hmm. out, or you can go for two years, or three years, or four years. Yes. And those are your options, yes. and you, yes. you're either out, or you've got two years. But the hockey idea with the yeah. draft and follow, where, you know, the kids all commit to teams first, and then they get drafted, mm-hmm. and the NBA team could say, hey, Lonzo Ball, you're ready, or hey, Darren right. Fox, you're ready. And on the flip side, they could tell somebody they're not ready, but that... Look, right. you just finished college, and we'll tell you when you're ready. You're, you'll a have doubt. a spot. Without, I, I think it would be great. I, I mean, I look at, you know, news today was Harry Giles, who was a, you know, number one recruit in the country, and then he tore his ACL, and he, you know, he was slow coming back, and he really didn't have a great year. He showed flashes. Every now and again, you know, he'd have a stretch where he got a, you know, a rebound, or, and you saw, man, that, that kid could be really good. But there wasn't any consistency. What would that what would the difference be if a team could draft him and then let him go back and play for Duke for another year? Don't, I mean, I, I think he'd get better. I, I can't prove that, but I think that would help him a lot more than, than sitting on the bench or going and playing in the D league. Um, you know, let him play high level college basketball and get better. Uh, another name, you know, and I texted about him a couple times over the weekend was, was Adam bio from Kentucky. You could see the physical talent he's got off the charts, but he's got no offensive game. He should develop that in college. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys who's got all the measurables, and if you had a system where a team could pick him and then not have to yes. put a roster spot but has to insure yes. him, I mean, you could set a rule that the team has to insure him for whatever sure, the value sure. of his pick is so that yeah, if he gets I mean, hurt in college. I mean, there are ways to put this together. And yes. you expand the draft by a round or two. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, again, you you said it. Hockey does it. So we're not we're not advocating a system that's unrealistic. It it's been and and continues to be done. Uh, now hockey is a different culture than basketball, but nonetheless, I feel like it would be tremendously beneficial. I I mean, I watched that out of Bio Kid, and and you know, it was the most I'd watched Kentucky in the last couple of weeks, obviously. And, I mean, you can see how talented he is. He's big. He's strong. I mean, he's you know he's chiseled, um, but he's got no game. He just has to work on his game. Yeah, 
And there's a way, there's a way to do it, and I don't know how it would work, but I feel like if you put in the hockey system, that would be something that you could actually get buy-in on the Players Association because now you're not squeezing out guys. That's, you know, the rank and file of the Players Association right. will like that because, look, instead of them having to use a roster spot, like the Bucks this year, using the spot on Thon Maker. Now, granted, they've played him a lot and they've done these things, but like, mm-hmm. Thon Maker weighs the same as me, and he is 14 inches taller than I am. He <laughs> probably could have stood to spend a year in college, you know, and have just a draft and follow with the Bucks. Oh, I agree. But, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think it would make a big difference, but, I, uh, you know, I don't know how easy it would be to do, but... I think it would help both levels if, if they could pull it off. We digress. We will talk about the NBA draft as it gets closer and once it's clear who's coming out and actually staying yeah. out. But on the flip side of the bracket from Gonzaga, South Carolina, you got North Carolina, the Carolina, and Oregon. Mm-hmm. The Pac-12 homer in me really wants Oregon. Dylan Brooks looks good. The shot blocking is still there for Oregon. The, the athleticism is crazy on that team, yeah, and it's I mean, all clicking for Dana Altman. Yeah, it is. Is I was I was very impressed with how they played against Kansas. I'd not expect that at all, and and they were uh, they were the better team on that night, no doubt about it. Now I got asked this question, and my answer was Dana Altman, but I'll ask you from the Sweet Sixteen. If you could take any coach to head your program, head ASU with the talent that's on it now, not Calipari who can draft, not things like that, but with the talent that's on it now, okay. who would you have taken? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, Altman's a good choice, definitely. Um I'm trying to, I mean, you know, I'd be tempted to take Frank Martin because I feel like he's getting a lot out of guys that probably aren't really that good. Um, so I, it's easy to say, you know, two guys who are still alive, obviously, but probably one of those two, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, like, look, I think Roy Williams is a good coach. I think Calipari is the best recruiter, but I'm saying if you have to, if you give me a coach and you say, you've got this class, this is who you have go make them into something. Right. You know, there's a reason those two guys are here right now. It's that they turn their classes into something. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And, and there's some others, you know, I guess you, you know, you might throw Chris Mack in there with what he's done at Xavier. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against Martin and Altman right now, given what they're doing. Speaking of coaches and coaching shuffling, what did you think of Indiana taking Archie Miller immediately after Steve Alford said, I'm never going there. I've never heard of such a school. <laughs> yeah, I was a little surprised that Alford didn't go. Uh, really, I thought that would happen. Um, Archie Miller's obviously been a successful coach, so, you know, we'll see see how he does. Uh, you know, it's it's a reasonable hire. I was just surprised Alford said no. I thought that Alford was doing the, like, I say no right now so that I can take the job after a couple days. But apparently not. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I mean, if you. Yeah. I mean, I I felt like his answers during the tournament were perfect for a guy who would go. 
because he, he hedged. He didn't commit one way or the other. I thought, sure, he'd go once they were done. And, and obviously, that wasn't the case. It's stunning to me. So, Yeah, I was surprised. Matt, who do you like, North Carolina, Oregon? Again, I'm tempted. I mean, I think I got to go with the favorite um, just because of, you know, the way they played against Kentucky, the, the veterans that they've got. Such a rare thing for a, for a program like that to start all juniors and seniors. But they've got them. Um, so to me, that makes them tough to beat. But I expected Oregon to get handled by Kansas, and they didn't. So, I, you know, I, I'm a little wary of writing them off, too. I think Dylan Brooks is really good. And I think Oregon is super athletic. The problem is I pick Kentucky to win it all. Or, I mean, I pick Carolina to win it all. I need Carolina to win right. because I have a bracket alive that may, if gambling were legal, it had money on it. So I, I'm i going to stick with Carolina. Um, it would vault me up in our, yeah. in our yeah, bracketology. I mean, so. It would. It would. I, I think, uh, I mean, I think they're the best team left. Um, they're obviously the the most experienced at this level. I mean, they were just there last year. Every one of their starters was there last year. So, and they got a coach who's won two titles and been to the final four guys, six, seven times, I think. So they, all the advantages are in their place. I absolutely agree. Now, before we sign off, we are done with college basketball. After we say who our national champion is, I'm sticking with Carolina. You are taking who? Uh, I would probably take Carolina too, I guess, just based, based on what I just said, I guess. All right. So we're pivoting away from basketball. Now, this is the last chance we'll talk before opening day. I'm pretty sure for baseball, your Chicago Cubs are defending world series champions. And we can say that for the first time in a hundred plus years, Matt, how do you feel about the title defense? I, uh, I mean, I'm excited, but I don't feel much pressure. In, in the sense, I told you this in November, I still feel it. Um, everything else they do is icing on the cake. If they win more, great. And if they don't, that's okay. I mean, they've got Theo Epstein, who is the future mayor of Chicago and governor of Massachusetts. Uh, <laughs> whenever you get into the Hall of Fame, yeah. he's a first ballot Hall of Famer for a front office guy. So, Yes, yes, agreed. I mean, I... I think they should be really good again. Um, you know, I, I would pick them to win the World Series again, but I'm not feeling that weight of expectations that I felt last year. I hope the Indians win, um, or the Blue Jays would be fun, but I hope the Indians yeah. win. Um, I hope the Brewers don't lose 100 games. It seems like they won't, but it, uh, until they win number 63, it's on the table for me, so... Well, yeah. I'd yeah, like, I'd like to avoid that, but uh, we'll follow okay. along. You and I will follow along with the baseball season. We're going to talk Definitely. NBA playoffs. We're going to talk NBA draft. We're going to talk about Ryan Reynolds in the pantheon of comedy actors and how high he should be ranked, because yes, I think the answer is shockingly high for our generation. You do. I know you do, yes, but yes, I look forward to it. So we got a lot of stuff planned. Until the next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.